This is Ken Forster, Executive Director of Momentum. Welcome to our Digital Industry Leadership Podcast, produced by, for, and about digital industry leaders. In this series of conversations, we capture insights from the best and brightest minds in digital industry. They're executives, entrepreneurs, advisors, and other thought leaders. What they have in common is like our team at Momentum, they are deep industry practitioners. We hope you find these podcasts informative as always. We welcome your comments and suggestions. Good day and welcome to another edition of our Digital Industry Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm pleased to host Yabing Wang, the Deputy Chief Information Security Officer of Carrier Corporation. Yabing is a strategic risk management oriented and results driven professional with 20 plus years of experience in technology and cybersecurity. She has a proven capability to set security strategy and directions, as well as create roadmaps and reference architectures with a demonstrated ability to focus on delivering security capabilities and solutions to support business strategies. She's proud of being a passionate, collaborative, and influential senior leader works across boundary boundaries and enables others to be successful. Yabing, welcome to our Digital Industry Leadership Podcast today. Thank you, Ken, for having me. And thank you for the introduction. I'm honored to share my journey and perspectives with the group. Thank you. Great. And we're we're honored to have you on the program, and uh, and I this is such an interesting area of uh, cybersecurity at this point, and uh, uh, you along with several others that that we know of in the space are very influential in it. So we're looking forward to the discussion. Let's start with your professional journey. Tell us a bit about your background and how it has informed your views of digital industry. Sure, I grew up in China and came to the United States after I finished my undergraduate and first graduate degree in philosophy, actually. Um, And then I went to University of Illinois in Urbana-Champaign for my master's degree of computer science. After that, I joined Netscape Communications in 1998. So Netscape was the pioneer for the internet in the 90s. And not only they had this whole browser, Netscape browser, But Netscape was also the pioneer in the whole e-commerce in the late 90s. And they offered a lot of the technologies to support e-commerce. That includes the web servers, directory servers, application servers, portal servers, all the whole uh, ecosystem to support that piece in the late 90s. So what I spent the first five years doing was really helping the customers to push their services to internet. That gave me the opportunity to be at the forefront of digitalization 20 years ago. And I uh, joined Allstate in 2022. That's the start of my uh, security professions. Uh, after 15 years at Allstate, I joined Alight Solutions. Alight offers business ma- uh, benefits management for a lot of Fortune 500 companies and mid-sized companies. And being there for two years, I joined a carrier corporation early this year. And a carrier is a manufacturer company, actually just spin up from the parent company. And it has HVAC, residential refrigeration, and fire and security systems as our core business. So each of the companies that I work for are, is from different industry. 
And they're all in different ways, their own ways for transformation. So if you look at how 20 years ago that we call this bringing services online, offering online services as dot-com, as e-commerce, 20 years later, this becomes more prevalent that we call them cloud, we call them digitalization. So my whole career was all about entering into the digital industry from different how did these roles and responsibilities, really leadership positions across these companies, prepare you for today's role? Um, so start with the Netscape. I I started with um, individual contributor, right, and then uh, play more role of influence in the leading projects, leading people virtually. In all states, uh, 15 years, I went from security engineer to chief security architect. I lead multiple teams, including our security team, including the infrastructure architecture team and enterprise architecture governance team. Um, at Alight, I was the VP of global security, responsible for security architecture and engineering. Here at Carrier, I'm the deputy CISO. I own security strategy, architecture, engineer operation, uh, I own all the technology supporting the uh, cyber organization uh, and also own the strategy uh, for the portfolio. So if I uh, talk about my career leadership development in nutshell, right? I start with developer engineer to architect, evolved from individual com uh, uh, contributor to management and really all my responsibility way. So I look at the leadership Leadership is not only about you know, how many people are on your team or how much responsibilities you have. It is really about how much positive changes that you make to the company and the business and how much you influence people around you. So you, you just asked me about how I grow into this role. And I look back, I think two things really helped me. One is to realize how important is the salesman skill for any role, right? Even though I was an engineer or architect, I needed to sell the idea of why this solution is the best among all options. As a leader, right, I need to sell the idea of why this direction is the right decision or why we need to spend money on this particular services, right? Not not other not projects. So I think that the grow the um, the salesman skills is one big thing you know, among you know, my, my journey and how I learned that part. And then the second one is how important it is to collaborate with others and build the virtual alliance with your teams, with the peers, with the stakeholders and management. I think that made my job easier. So things are done through people not through actually individual technology. No, right, things are done through people and through relationships. I think those two things really helped me get into today's role. And today's role being absolutely critical given the uh, the larger attack services that uh, yes. uh, corporations represent these days. You've uh, been at the forefront of um, really information security for quite a while. Tell us about some of your insights over that time and more importantly on cloud computing security. Yeah, I think the, uh, like I mentioned, right, if 20 years ago we knew E-commerce would be the future, right? That's how it really grown for the past 20 years. 
Today, we'll say the same thing. Cloud is the future. And moving to the cloud, I, it's not a question of why. It's really a question of what, because everybody has its own pace and maturity. So in that, in that cloud world, the whole concept is that there's no data center, right? You don't have a network presenter anymore. And one of the big things here for security is really looking at, in my view, really looking at how identity becomes the new network provider, right? So the whole identity access management becomes the key for securing the cloud. And that includes, you know, how we do identity provisioning, deprovisioning, how we do the roles and, and groups, how access is being given, how we manage those privileged accounts, and how we do the lifecycle and governance the whole, for the whole identity. Of course, how we do authentication, how we manage the keys and tokens, the whole nine yards of uh, identity access management, that becomes more and more critical in this whole cloud world. And another thing is that, you know, how we can automate security in the cloud world, right? You know, not everything is a serverless uh, yet, therefore you still need to build the, the workloads. So embed that the security into the workloads build, embed the security into the application development, right? Not only provide the guardrails, but try to make all the policies as code into that process. You really don't want to go back to the waterfall methodology where a lot of manual approvals are in the face game. That takes time. And right now, everything is about quick delivery. Right? That's why cloud is there too. So in another words, that ultimately those tools into your, your process, into build, that becomes another key for, another key for security. And, and a couple of more things, just quickly touch on that. Data protection. And because data is no longer in the house, in the data center, you have a wall around it. Now everything is in the cloud. It's and people access from anywhere, anytime. So the way to look at the data and look at the data protection also becomes critical, right? Not talking about just the encryption. It, it was used to be, it used to be people are going to choose whether you do, you do encryption or not. Right now, everything got to be encrypted. And maybe you have a different way to do tokenization, another way to do the data loss prevention, but figure out the right way to protect the data is another key. So last thing to mention for the cloud security, uh, how monitoring and incident response become, becomes more critical because it doesn't matter how good you are to do protection and prevention, there are always holes or vulnerabilities somewhere. Hackers are smart. They can find ways to exploit. So the monitoring becomes more important so we can respond quicker. We can figure out a way even to predict what could happen. So those kind of things I think are the keys to help move to the cloud and security becomes much, much more a partnership with the technology group to make that happen. There's um, a, a, um, a general philosophy we've discussed in prior podcasts, and that is almost the role of the CIO, or chief digital officer, and, or in this case, uh, the CISO. And so generally, we like to cluster IT leaders into kind of two categories, those keeping the lights on, you know, keeping the infrastructure mm -hmm. running, you know, protecting from risk, et cetera, and those that are really enabling new business lines, creating new P&Ls, you know, the, I'll call it mm -hmm. the digital strategist, right? Mm -hmm. CISOs maybe unfairly are often clustered into that 
that first category, you know, providing critical resiliency for enterprise systems and connected products. I know, and I was interested in our earlier discussions uh, before the podcast, that you see your role as more toward the latter. And so I'm curious about this. Can you give us a bit more perspective on that? Sure, sure. Um, you're right that the traditional CISO role really adopts a cyber defense approach, right? They are the ones behind this thing doing their work. And they're the ones trying to help the corporation to assist the risk, to make a judgment the call when there is something happened, right? What kind of risks the company can tolerate? A lot of times the traditional CISO role trying to protect the CEOs and the board and the company. So Truly, from the traditional security angle, nobody really remembers the security team unless something's broken or some projects are stopped by the security team, right? That makes the security more to try not to break anything or keep the lights on. It is necessary, but not enough, in my opinion. So I don't, I don't like the CISO role as a reactive or survival role. I think CISO role should be more business-oriented and strategic focus. Because like I mentioned that how the e-commerce, right, how the, the uh, services for cloud like, becomes the, the uh, direction for anybody, security has to be part of, of that. Not only part of the technology direction, but part of the business. Because the technology at the end is driving the business model now. So today's CISO role should act as a business neighbor, in my view. And they're, they're, they should be more closely aligned with the company's business strategy and digital strategy to provide the business more options, more options to, uh, to arrive at this business uh, solution. It's not about no, you cannot do it. It's about let's figure out what options will be best for the business and for the security, for the business growth and for the risk management. Right. So the more others see the value from cyber team, the better support CISO will get from everybody. So building the trust um, with others and help enable business, I think that is the direction the CISOs should go. We've also noted in prior podcasts that cybersecurity has become probably the greatest catalyst for enterprise harmonization since ERP. I was talking with the chief digital officer just uh, a couple of days ago, and uh, and he was commenting on the fact that the organizational design about what sits in the center and what sits in the uh, in the BUs is also being driven largely by attack surfaces, which interesting model when you think about it. So um, where do you see the key opportunities for cybersecurity features and services to provide not just risk management, but revenue enhancement for industrial companies? Um, yeah, I think different industry um, may have different opportunities uh, looking at how secure organization can help from the revenue generation or enhancement. Um, one thing that I can give as an example is that it depends on the services that each company is to offer. If the security controls can be embedded into that service offering, uh, that will be great opportunity, right? That could be, for example, how you want to include identity and access management, different level of IAM into your service, or different levels of your monitoring and alerting into your services. And even sometimes that different level of anti-fraud capabilities, right? So 
the example could be that if we're generally a lot of business trying to define their uh, level of offerings, right? And let's say if you define a gold, silver, bronze level of your services offering and define gold with greater support and hyper care from business level. But you could also say that, you know, this service also includes that the strongest security controls, right, um, for this service, which means you invest more into the security controls. And that also means as it's bundled together as a gold service, that, you know, company could pay more to get a better services. You know, think how security um, is part of the quality. It's like how secure is part of the services, right? So bronze level, you could say that's a basic support. And that, you know, includes also minimum or master house for security. So I've witnessed how each of the companies um, trying to embed that into their services. And I think that is a success story for cybersecurity to enable the business. I like that. In some sense, it's uh, it's man managed uh, protection, managed security. You could say managed uptime. See, all of those things roll hand in hand in terms of uh, con you know continuous uptime, right, and protection. Yes. So, uh, yes. Ultimately, as the trend moves to product as a service, so people today buy uh, train. Or I'm sorry. I, I, sorry about that. Carrier chillers. They will be buying uh, basically the uh, the chilling effect effect, you know, in the end. And so it's uh, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, so in our executive search work, we've uh, we place quite a few cybersecurity leaders, including some at uh, Carrier. We've noticed the predominance of women in these leadership roles uh, compared to other pure IT roles. Uh, have you seen the same? And what do you think makes this such an attractive field? <laughs> um, I'm not sure about the pro demolator uh, uh, among the industry, but I do see those numbers are growing. So I remember some statistics, statistics about, you know, Fortune 500 companies that 13% of the CISOs are women. And there, I think there's another different um, uh, research showing that 19% of CIOs are women, 12% of CFOs are women. I think the lower number is really a CEO. I think it's five right now, you know, grow to 8% of those. So it is kind of similar thing, uh, not saying uh, cyber has a bigger number, but we do see from this uh, CISO perspective, the recent new CISOs for women are bigger number than the traditional ones. So when I look at it, I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking why women, you know, get more attracted into this ACE role or play uh, role a key role here. I'm thinking about two possibilities, two reasons. <laughs> One is, you know, the CISO role requires a lot of collaboration and relationship building. Uh, like I said, it's not about, you know, CISO trying to stop something. If, if the security trying to enable the business, right? collaboration and relationship building with the stakeholders, or not only internal, and even external with the peers in the community and in the industry, it is very key. So they particularly, I would say, you know, even though leadership overall requires that collaboration, but I think the CISO and the security professions, you know, face a unique challenge because like I mentioned, it didn't matter how good you are, right? There are tons of smart people out there who can find a ways 
to explore things in your in your organization, right? And they're in the dark. We don't see them. They see us. So if the good ones, we align. We build the alliance. You know, we do this together. It's a much better uh, chance for us to win the battle, right? You know, so so is the part. So my point is that a successful CISO should be a really good collaborator. And funny thing here is that there are studies showing in the collaborative work culture, women carry more of the weight. So I do think women have a more tendency to include others, to collaborate uh, more with others and support each other. And that's kind of one view. Another reason I, I, I can think is uh, the women have more sense of balance. <laughs> As we balance work and life, right? We are the masters in handling things at work, at home, and playing multiple roles, right? As moms, wives, and daughters, engineers, and managers, right? We are good at that naturally, or you could say we've been trained well to play that role. So when we walk into the crazy cyber world, we're not shut. We're still calm and be able to juggle things around as we're juggling daily uh, among work and life. I, I do believe men are pretty strong to handle stress, but women from a deep way were pretty strong to balance that. Just my two cents. <laughs> I, uh, I like we had a uh, webinar we did a year ago called Connect and Protect, and we featured a number of uh, prominent CISOs, um, several women on there. And we asked a similar question, and I think your latter answer hit squarely on that because they said it, it really was the ability to multitask, right? As you say, balance work <laughs> and life, but but because everything is so event driven, right? You've got, yep. uh, you know, uh, uh, threats coming in, you've got to, you know, uh, uh, coordinate, if you will, you know, across all of your, uh, the, the divisions you're responsible for to, uh, you know, uh, manage a fabric of protection. So uh, it is an interesting and uh, it's something that we continue to see, at least in our exec search arm. So I've always found mm -hmm. it quite fascinating. Yeah. You know, we've been through some extraordinary times over the last, uh, well, not in, uh, what, 10, 11 months now um, with COVID-19. And, and, you know, we've kind of characterized internally as a bit of a digital accelerator in that, you know, it really equipped, you know, newly remote workers uh, and, uh, you know, newly remotely managed assets uh, in many cases. What are some of the changes you've seen in client requirements since the start of the pandemic? And what do you think will be the long-term implications for information security? Yeah, 2020 is a tough year on many different angles. And this pandemic thing, like you said, definitely becomes digital accelerator. Um, the noticeable changes, I would say, are three um, uh, parts. One is the whole remote working style and how that bring the effectiveness of working in different places. I mean, everybody's in a different, I mean, every company is in a different uh, stage about uh, allowing remote working because certain, certain situations you do need people, right? In the factory or, or in the office doing research. But that working style right now becomes more and more um, to show that when people are not in the office, they can do the work right, right? They still can, you know, make the effectiveness of the work. I think that's one big change. And then the, the second big change is the communication. Um, is not only how you communicate, 
with, within your teams, communicating with uh, different teams in your company and how you communicate with others. I know it is tough in a way that, you know, there's not much more conference you can go. Um, there are not much other opportunities, you know, you can have a physical with others. So that triggers people to figure out another way to communication. So the last thing is, uh, I would say the challenging one is the best way for relationship building. We're relying on Zoom, we're relying on Teams, we're relying on, you know, watching people, you know, far in the, in the video. But, you know, because we cannot go, go drink together anymore, we cannot do anything together anymore. But that is another uh, probably change. I would say that not only impact the work, but impact my, you know, my lifestyle too, right? I used to do a lot of, uh, like, playing uh, sports with others, you know, we have less opportunity to do that, so I have to run you know, by myself. So those changes, personally and you know, uh, and professionally, you know, are very noticeable. And not everything is, you know, uh, good from beginning. So people are looking to how can we improve those ones. So from implement implication perspective, security, I think I would say two big things. One is this. The, the acceleration of the adoption of this philosophy called zero trust, zero trust. Meaning that, that you treat people internally, externally the same. Meaning that, that companies have to provide the capabilities to allow people coming from anywhere, anytime, but securely, right? So the way we have to look at our security capabilities to support this zero trust philosophy is a little bit different now, right? That means how we want to adopt the right way to do remote access, how we want to do um, the right way to secure our endpoints, and how we do data loss provisions, uh, how we uh, ensure cloud security as we discussed before, right? How we do the unified communication in a secure way. So we security professionals got to look at things differently to support this remote working. Uh, style. Uh, it's not 2020. It could be even impact in the future years. So looking at security differently is the key now. And another thing actually becomes more interesting is, you know, every security organization, we want to manage the risk and manage the vendor risk, right? And this whole pandemic, this whole remote access start to impact um, how we view and how we assess vendors. Because physical visit it's difficult now. We used to, like every year, take the top vendors, we want to go visit. We want to see their physical security. We want to see how their things being run in the data center, how their things run in, in the field. Um, we, we no longer be able to do that. So how, how can we do trust but verify in different way, right? How can we leverage the industry scoring system instead of our own scoring system to evaluate vendors. I think that is another acceleration for vendor risk management for security. And, and, and I would say it actually towards a right direction because you no longer be able to do, thing, to do things yourself anyway, right? You are relying on the industry. You are relying on the community. You are relying on this virtual alliance together. I think it's, it's a right direction from security angle. And and many of these are not interim measures.
because the new normal, especially among tech companies, will be you know working remotely per se, and uh, the new operating pattern for a lot of you know assets will be run remotely as well. So these are great infrastructural items to have in place for you know for this new normal. Yeah, I mean, given your own career success, what advice would you offer to those who aspire to be a CISO? Um, yeah, I. So everybody's career path is different, and, and and the pace of success is different too. So if I look at myself, you know, a couple of things I can think of. So I started with a philosophy background, right, and stayed in technology for 25 years, and then picked up security 18 years ago. My journey and others too. I know share one thing in common. That is, it doesn't matter where did you start. You could land in security and land on the CISO role one day if you have that passion for it. I think that's the key, the passion. And here's why I, I said that. Because you know, if you look at the CISO role, number one, it is challenging. You know, the security world always has something going on. Threats, vulnerabilities, incidents, events, projects, operations. So ask yourself, do you, do you enjoy that? Do you enjoy that challenging role daily? Right? Only when you have a passion of that, you will enjoy those. Another one is, in my view, security is not one field. Security resides in every single field. That means it's a lifetime learning opportunity. So not only learning opportunity for security itself, but it's for everything else as well. With all the new technology advances so quick, we get to learn them as well outside of security. For example, learning cloud, learning the data analytics, learning AI, learning IoT, even learning those you know, uh, quantum computing. Right? If we don't know them, how can we know how to secure them? Right? So I would say ask yourself, is that learning you know, part of your, your style? Do you enjoy that you know, for the rest of your life? Right? Another thing, um, I was chatting with my CISO friends on this CISO role. Um, CISO is not as powerful as a CEO right? who shapes the business direction and strategy. It is not as impactful as the CTO or CDO who drives the uh, innovation in a business through technology and a digital transformation. So I think ask yourself, do you want to change that? Right? To my previous point, the CISO can still shape the company's future if we can figure out ways to make security a business differentiator, right? a revenue generator, or at least a business enabler. If you have a passion of making positive impact, I think you can challenge yourself to transform the CISO role to a business-oriented role in the company. So in closing, can you provide recommendations of books and or research for you? Um, I'd like to provide two names. <laughs> to people that inspired me. <laughs> so one is RBG, right? Ruth Bader Ginsburg. You know, she really inspired me for leadership qualities. She's my role model, truly. You know, there are many leadership styles, and she re re resembles the one kind I like. 
That is, to be a great leader, you don't have to be really aggressive or really demanding. You lead by example, right? You don't need to be talkative all the time. You don't need to be the center of the cloud all the time. You can be calm and quiet, but you do need to stand up for the things that you you care, right? I I like the 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 way she said it. She said, "Fight for the things that you care about, but do it in a way that will lead others to join you." She truly is my role model. Um, the second person inspired me is Elon Musk. You know, he he's not only talented; he's a genius. Uh, none of us can compare with him. But the way he inspired me is because he's always seeking to solve problems. And the bigger strategic problems for human being. His life to me is all about looking for new things, looking for the innovative ways to solve problems. You know, most people are able to see the problems. The smart ones know how to solve the problems, and the wise ones to me know know what problems to solve and focus. So to me, Elon Musk is a smart and a wise one. And I personally thrive to be like that as well. So both of them really make a big dent in my life and career. With two great role models, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Elon Musk. So, and and in some sense, very much the same and very different people as uh, as well. So, Yabing, thank you for providing this insightful interview. Oh, thanks again, Ken, for having me. I really appreciate. Momentum, pulling together this leadership is serious. This is a lot about how everybody should work together in a community to support each other. Thank you. And thank you for joining us as well. And I do very much appreciate your comments around the community because we do feel like this is very much about an ecosystem and community building. So this has been Yabing Wang, Deputy CISO of Carrier Corporation. And perhaps if I can throw another title, Chief Relationship Builder there as well. Thank you for listening. <laughs> and please join us next week for the next episode of our Digital Industry Leadership Podcast Series. You've been listening to the Momenta Digital Industry Leadership Podcast, produced by, for, and about digital industry leaders. We hope you've enjoyed the discussion, and as always, we welcome your comments and suggestions. Please check our website at momenta.one for archived versions of podcasts and webinars, as well as resources to help with your digital industry journey. Thank you for listening.